Hello, what's up? Welcome to Irrepressible. I am Erica Ashley, your host. I have an incredible guest on the show today. Her name is Sharon Lynn, and I met Sharon through TikTok, actually through Instagram. I saw one of her TikTok videos, and I immediately went to her Instagram, reached out to her, and we connected. I share this story because sometimes I get really frustrated with social media. I look at it and I feel like I'm losing brain cells by the second. But, and these are the moments that make me so happy to be in this generation of social media is when you can connect with somebody who lives across the country, um, whose energy just radiates positivity and all the good things and be able to connect with them. And that's exactly what happened with Sharon. And Sharon is a dancer. She's a yogi. She's an actor. She toured with the national tour of The Lion King for four years. She's been on Broadway. She traveled to India to become a yogi. She's just the best is really all I can say about her. We had such a heart warming conversation where we talked about her journey, what it was like touring and doing the same show for months and months and months on end. And how do you keep that fresh? How do you have a morning routine? How do you continue to be a student in life? How do you show up fully as yourself on social media? This part of our conversation, I really appreciated because it can be so hard to show up authentically in a space that feels like there is constant pressure to be perfect. And she has really good advice about how she approaches uh, content creation and Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and all the things. She is also a business owner. She has an awesome wellness company that you'll hear about. She just is the type of person that you want to be best friends with for the rest of your life. And I'm so excited to get to share her and for you to feel her energy the same way that I felt that day that I saw her TikTok on TikTok. Um, So without further ado, I want to jump into this episode because we all need a feel-good moment and she is it this week. She's it. All right. So for anyone who doesn't know you, do you want to share a little bit about your journey, backstory, kind of just like who you are? Yeah, of course. Um, I am Sharon Lynn, and I'm originally from Miami, Florida. I was uh, I come from a dance background, so my entire career has been as a dancer. I went to a performing arts high school. In the summers, I would go to New York to train. I would get a scholarship to go to New York while I was in high school, and then eventually I ended up moving to New York. And it was there that I started to like tour the country and do all kinds of different dance projects. I worked with Alvin Ailey, their second company. And then eventually I started working with The Lion King, um, the national tour. And so tour the country and um, I actually wait, I should I should rewind and say that I did go to Florida State University. I have two degrees. I have absolutely nothing to do with what I'm doing now. (laughs) (laughs) What are they? We, I feel like we all do. Um, we all do, right? <laughs> um, interdisciplinary social science and applied economics. Because uh-huh. at one point, I was going to go to law school. I was like, I love learning this. 
I'm going to go to law school. Let me just tap into things that I love learning. And in that uh, um, social science degree, I integrated some history and African-American studies. You can kind of do a blend of all the different sectors of that department. Mm -hmm. So I just got to really learn and study whatever I want to during that time. And um, so, yeah. And then I was like, you know what? Actually, I'm an artist, but I'm going to finish school. I'm going to finish and go back off to New York to be an artist. And, and that I did. And that led me to some amazing opportunities. And that's when I really started to flourish and learn the world and started to understand what kinds of opportunities were out there. And I learned myself. And uh, yeah. What specific dance styles did you train in? All of them? Or did you have a focus? Um, I trained in ballet modern specifically Horton and Graham I was like a Graham baby I trained in jazz I did some West African it's kind of like required to do everything okay but my focus was really ballet Horton and the Graham technique yeah I grew up um I don't did you travel with Alvin Ailey I did with the second company yeah I they would always I grew up in a really small town in Colorado it's called Durango Mm -hmm. and they would always Mm -hmm. come like one of their companies would come every summer. And I always, Mm -hmm. we would always go to it. And I just remember that. Yeah, it was, that was a special, very special experience. I actually did that in between. I went to school as a dance major for a year and then I did that. And then I went back to school. So I definitely had a whole different idea of why I was getting my education after I did two years on tour, seeing the world. And I was like, okay, this is why I need to learn. Mm-hmm. Not only learn what was in the textbooks, but like learn about myself. And um, it was awesome for bridging that gap between being a student and like being a, an actual adult. But the company itself, it just, I will forever be an ambassador of Ailey just because they're fantastic. And I learned so much during that time. I was uh, 19 to 21 when I worked with the second company and um, it was game changing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. It like, it brings back memories of, of that time. Cause I was so into dance for a lot of my life and modern was like my jam. We're in it. When we're in it, we're in it. We're yeah. like hours a day. When I think back to like the time my parents spent and the money they spent and the time we invested. I know. But the discipline, right? Don't you feel like you still carry that discipline with you now, like into everything you do? I really do. I think, um, yeah. and I think it's different with something like dance than just another sport. Cause a lot of sports are seasonal, but dance yeah. is, if you're not on it every day of the year. You're going to lose it. You're going to lose your turnout. You're going to lose yeah. your technique, um, your yeah. flexibility. And, and I was the same way. I danced every single day of the week on the weekends yeah. Uh, before school, I'd have dance practice. And I, and I really do think because I was so um, schedule oriented because of that, that's translated into my adult life, how I approach work really. Agreed. Agreed. I always say in ballet, there are no shortcuts, Mm -hmm. right? Like you, it takes time to hone the technique and to really like get your body to perform well in what I consider is also a sport you know, yeah. there are no shortcuts. Like you have to show up every day. You have to be consistent day after day, year after year. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's, I, I try to go back to that when I start to sink into this like microwave way of thinking, mm-hmm. wanting to get to a certain place quickly when it's like, no, it's more beneficial. And it's just, you can actually be like 
an expert at something if you take the time and be good at it and really understand the craft of it and appreciate it in a way that you don't when you really take the time to learn it. So ballet is humbling <laughs> because it's so humbling. It's like, okay, girl, it lets you know right away if you have not been practicing, it's not going to happen. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's very humbling. Okay, so then how did you transition into the Lion King and that, how did that happen for you? Um, so when I, I just, I actually auditioned for the Lion King like five or six times Mm -hmm. and they just, I kept making it all the way to the end. And it was one of the few shows that had a predominantly black cast and that I saw myself in. Mm -hmm. And I just took it as like free class and a great workout. And I was like, I'll just show up. And as long as they don't cut me in the audition, as long as I make it to the end, I know that there's an opportunity, there's a possibility that this could work out. And so I auditioned and eventually I got the call to go on the national tour, which was incredible. We went to some amazing places. Like we were in Hawaii for two months, dead smack in the middle of winter, January to March. We, um, yeah, we, we were all over the place. Grant, I got to like bring my parents to Arizona. We went to the Grand Canyon. We were in Chicago and Miami and New Orleans and, just all around, all around Canada, on a, all across Canada, that was pretty special too. And it was actually on the tour that I fell in love with, with yoga because I didn't have, there were like studios, but there, there weren't really very many dance classes on the road in the various cities for me to stay solid and to show up to the stage strong eight shows a week. Mm-hmm. So I started doing yoga and I was like, actually, this feels good in my body. And um, it worked a lot of the same muscles that needed to be strengthened to be solid in the show, working with puppets and all that kind of stuff. Then as I went into the classes, I realized past the physical element, if I was like struggling with a decision or I needed clarity on something, I would just have clarity by the end of class, a a yoga class. Mm -hmm. So I knew that there was a little bit more, there was more to it. And so I started to grab books and just investigate that more so and yeah so that time on tour was profound in so many ways it was amazing a beautiful show great to be a part of i still have family members from the show that i toured with um got to sing and dance and being some incredible places but it led me to my discovery of yoga yeah how long did you tour for four years okay what can you i'm just really curious what a snapshot of like a day in the life was like for you when you were touring like that, because I'm sure it's not easy. Yeah, it was, um, well, so (laughs) on a typical day, so on a Tuesday through Thursday, you have typically one show in the evenings and at night, Saturdays, you have two shows, Sundays, you have two shows. That's the typical schedule on tour Mm -hmm. on Broadway. It would spin a little different, but, um, so I would wake up, do my morning routine, take a class, to you want to get your body strong for the show and you have the day to read and study. We would create things. We would all, we would do something adventurous oftentimes in the city. It was really gruesome in between cities. So we typically spent about four weeks on average in every city, but when it was time to transition to the next city, we would wrap up on a Sunday evening, travel on a Monday, arrive that Monday evening or night. The next Tuesday morning we have, a 10 a.m. meeting in the theater. Every theater is different. So we have to, we have major puppets, right? That have to move and 
get we have to get to know the theater. Plus, we had a team of local dressers that would help us get in and out of costumes. I had to learn what we needed, where and how to function at our best during the show and make it to stage on time. So um, we had that meeting. We had a tech rehearsal, a, t a brief tech rehearsal to go over technicalities, mm -hmm. a dress run through and a show that night. All after traveling, it was brutal. Yeah, it was brutal. And then we got to go back to one show in the evening for a few days, and then the weekends. So it was hard. So you, you're kind of you just get used to being tired. Mm -hmm. You're always tired. But I was so grateful to be there. I I loved it so much. I loved it so much during that time, and I loved the community and. Being in a new theater, the, the scent of a fresh theater, you walk in, you don't know your way around. You're seeing pictures and autographs of all the legends that have performed there. Like, it was special. It was really special. Um, but yeah, it was pretty brutal. But during the week, we did have some time to explore the city a little bit and uh, create other projects, things of that nature. How did you deal with the repetition of doing the same show so often? Because that's something that I hear a lot from people in theater. I did theater when I was growing up, so I kind of get it, but you, this is obviously a next level kind of, you're doing the same thing over and over again. How do you make it feel fresh every time? Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Sometimes it doesn't feel fresh. And sometimes the biggest thing that got me through was looking into the audience. Mm. And so oftentimes when I'm entering the theater, I would walk through the path of where everyone is buying their tickets and getting, they're excited. You feel the energy, you see family of four, you know, first of all, it's not, it's, it's not cheap. You know, it's, it's a pricey ticket. Yeah. And so seeing them feeling the energy of everyone showing up to witness this spectacle really um, gave, it gave me a sense of responsibility. You know, I have to really give them what they came for. And sometimes we will get what they call swung out. And so when you swung out, that means a swing. We have swings that are standbys. Their job is to know every track and be ready to go on at any point. God forbid if someone gets hurt during the show or if they call out or if you're on vacation. But sometimes they just have family coming and they want to perform that night. And you get the luxury of being swung out. And so you get to watch the show. Mm. And that's when you're reminded of like, oh, my God, I'm a part of this, you know. And that, I think, is so crucial for shows to allow their performers to get a chance to watch and be reminded of what they're a part of, because we have a very different view being in it. And looking at people's faces in the audience while on stage was huge. And finding, trying to find something new to connect to in a moment. You know, um, the show, one of the beautiful things about The Lion King in particular is that it's such a reflection of of human life and there's like a song and a moment for everything mm -hmm. so i remember when whitney houston passed away for instance god bless her may she rest in peace mm -hmm. it was a whole new show that night that we found out we were like sobbing on stage i mean no one knew in the audience but there's like we experienced birth together being in that show being a cast life transitions birthdays holidays challenging moments depressions you know, wins. And so there's, there's something in the show to speak to all of that. So it's really like bringing real life to it that helps keep you going. Mm -hmm. And sometimes if I'm being honest, Erica, 
you're like, oh my God, I'm so tired. I can't, like, I'm ready for the show to be over. That's just real. It's just how yeah. it is. You're not like on cloud nine every, every show. You're doing it eight times a week, you know? So, um, but for the most part, and when, when it's hard to find that, that's when you know it's time to go. And that's when I made my decision to leave, when it was like, it's getting harder to find. I think it's time for something new. And so after four years, I made my transition. So how did you, what was that transition like and what did you step into? What I did was I transitioned into acting. So what I did was a year before I knew, I'm so proud of this little plan I made for myself. (laughs) A year before I knew I was going to leave, it was like one of the best decisions I made. I took a leave of absence first. So I took nine weeks. It was uh, authorized. I was allowed to take that time away. I went to New York. I studied Meisner. I studied commercial acting. I studied improv. And I just wanted to get a taste of what else made my spirit feel alive. Mm-hmm. And um, and what I wasn't about pursuing yoga at that moment. That kind of came a little later. It, at that point, it was still just a practice for myself mm-hmm. and not necessarily to share. But when I took that time and w- did those acting classes and was in New York in that contest, tech, that context as an actor seeing plays and things like that. I was like, this is, this is what I want to do. And what sparked that was I was working with some of the principal actors in the show. And so some of the actors, these actors have done amazing things. They're incredible. They would just bring in scripts and we would do readings in between shows on the weekends. And as I was doing, I was like, Oh my God, this is so much fun. Mm -hmm. And I think I have something. I think, I think I want to explore what I'm feeling a little more. I'm enjoying these characters. I'm enjoying, like, I'm a very honest person, a very sensitive person. I think that works here. Mm-hmm. And so I went to New York. I did that. So when I decided to leave the tour, I had a game plan of moving into acting. And so literally two weeks after leaving tour, I went to um, the Asper studio for that summer. And I did an intensive. And then I went to the Playhouse and I studied. And I just kept still now, you know, chipping away at the craft and And then during that time of being back in New York, it was as my time at the Playhouse was coming to an end, I was in a two-year program, I went through a depression. And that's the first time I identified it as I knew it was a depression. It was so dark. And it was as if I couldn't fill up, you know, everything I put into myself and I read, like I was just a, a hole was like at the bottom of my spirit. I was so dark, right? And so when I eventually started to come out of that, I was like, I need tools. I never want to feel like that again. And I need tools that's going to help me vibrate high. And yeah, we're going to go through ups and downs, but that's, I don't need to be that low. That's too far down, you know? And so um, that's when I decided to go to India. And I went, I was like, I'm going to get certified. But my goal wasn't like, let me go get certified and be a teacher. It was like, let me go over here and study in an Eastern context and be a stronger student of this practice. What does this really mean? What, what is it about the practice that makes me feel so good when I leave a class? So I went and it was incredible. I went to Rishikesh, which is considered the foothills, the, the, the yoga capital of the world. It sits at the foothills of the Himalayan mountains. And I studied for five weeks in the philosophy and studied the asanas and you know we meditated and took long walks and hikes and it was it was game changing what was like the biggest takeaway i guess for you from being in 
being in India, how has that changed like your approach to life now? It was, so one of my, my philosophy teacher said over in India, Vijayanthi is incredible. He said, it's great to be vibrating high. You're here. Of course, you're in India. You're away from home. You're in the mountains. The Ganges River is down the street. Of course, you're feeling good. But the real work is going to start when you get home, mm-hmm. when you're not around other people who are studying this craft, when you don't have classes every day, when you're in your real life, when you're in your Western lives, you know? And so that was like, you're so right. And it forced me to solidify, not even solidify, because that's ever-changing, but investigate and carve out what my practices are. What, what does that look like for me to continue to grow in this space and to learn and to elevate? Um, and so I med- made sure that I meditated every day. I knew that I had to have a daily practice. I knew that I had to continue to forever be a student. And it didn't look the same as it did when I was over there. Mm -hmm. But now I had these tools in my tool belt and I knew that I had the responsibility of using them and continuing to add tools. So making sure that I listen to things that keep me elevated. I seek out other teachers that can lead me in class and it feels like it's resonating with me and my spirit. That I continue to learn from gurus and spiritual teachers that are further along in the process, if it's through a podcast or through a book or in person, a workshop, whatever. However, just continue to seek, continue to seek and be a student. How do you find that sense of consistency? Because you mentioned that earlier too, about like uh, how dance taught you to be really consistent. How do you cultivate that? Yeah, I, um, so I have one thing that I do every month. I had it on the wall, but I took it down, but I (laughs) I create these big sheets Mm -hmm. and I write out like for the different areas of my life, what my focus is, what my goals are and my why. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing is being in tune with my why and remembering that. And I have to have things that are visual on my phone. I have quotes everywhere sticky pads like literally I put on my mirror all over the place because I need to constantly be fed you know be reminded of my why why I'm doing it why I'm showing up for myself first and then sharing this with the world around me and um another part of consistency is consistently getting back on the wagon when you fall off Mm. that's real because we fall off right and I don't fall off for as long as I used to but I may have a couple days Just recently, I had a week where I was like, my morning routine was a little fuzzy and I had other things I had to do. So I neglected the things that I know I need to do to keep me solid. And I, and I, I paid the price of that, but I needed that reminder. Like, all right, girl, if you don't do it, this is how you're going to feel. You want to feel like this? You want to go through life like this? Well, just remember, these are the things you need to do. So that time was valuable and it was valuable in helping me to like dive back in. And and I feel like every time I experience one of those moments, I reach, it it forces me to not, not only get back to where I was, but to elevate even more. So staying in touch with my why and consistently getting back on when I fall off. I love that. 
What does yeah. your morning routine look like? <laughs> it's so long. <laughs> Please tell me. I want I details. Actually, <laughs> I actually did a TikTok video on this that you can check out, but I did. So I wake up and um, I have like, I typically have like a glass of lemon or lime water right next to me. I wake up, um, of course, do all of the hygienic things. I make a smoothie. I sit and I drink the smoothie. I have some quiet time. I have meditation and I journal. I have at least 30 minutes of reading to feed myself something new. And then I do a practice, a physical practice. So sometimes it's working out at least four or five days a week. Minimum, I would say around four. I do, even if it's just 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. some kind of yoga practice, I'll make it to my mat. Um, But yeah, lots of journaling, making sure that I read. Because as you start to get busy, you get into emails, you get into the Mm -hmm. day, you know, it slips away from you. And that time is, is, has become very, very sacred, my morning time. And uh, yeah, I have to be very intentional about, about carving that out. I'm big on morning routines too. I think it really sets the tone for the day so that you don't just wake up and immediately your emails, I have to get back to 10 people. I'm tomorrow. It's just, it creates chaos. So I'm always really curious how other people start their mornings because I feel like it really, it's really important. Yeah. I'm curious. I know this is, you're interviewing (laughs) me, but I'm curious about what you do in yours. Yeah. So it's ever evolving because sometimes I'm like this, I don't know if this is working for me, but the routine that I'm in right now and I feel good about is I'll wake up, I'll do 10 minutes of meditation and then I'll journal just for as long as I feel like I need to. After I journal, I get up and I make either some coffee or tea, usually coffee. Um, And then I read. I read um, similarly to you, I think books that are more like getting me in the right mindset. I love books like, you know, like the four agreements or, um, like like things like that, that are just like, I need my soul fed this morning, not just like a fiction romance book, like that has another time and place, but yeah, it's something that I'm like, okay, I feel grounded in myself right now. Yeah. And then after I feel like I've done that, um, I'll work out shower, get ready for the day. And then I, and I feel like my head's in the right space. So that's mine right yeah. now. Yeah. Yeah. It sets you up. Yeah. In that time, it, it, it has to be a non-negotiable. Yeah. It has to be. Yeah. yeah. I've, I've learned that the hard way, but it's a good reminder. Like you said, when I don't do it, I feel the difference. I don't feel crazy. I don't feel like I can handle the day in the same way. Yes. There you go. Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely nuts. And I'm, it's, yeah, it's necessary. I have a question for you around content creation because I think, okay. uh, I know a lot of people who listen are artists in some way, shape or form. And I think there's this pressure with social media these days about content creation. How often, how much, how do you schedule it? How do you stay on track? What do I share? Like it's, it feels very overwhelming to a lot of people. And you and I were speaking about this the other day about how do you really find space to fully show up as you on social media and why is that so tricky? Yeah. Yeah. So I had to, within, let's say about three months ago, I took some time to write out 
which I think is important first and foremost to write out how I want to show up. What is it that I want to add to people's lives? Mm. That's first and foremost. What kind of value am I adding? And it doesn't have to be like I, I started TikTok because I'm I started uh, in a educational program, learn on TikTok to teach, which was great. But if educating isn't one's thing, maybe your intention is to add joy. Maybe your intention is to empower. Maybe it's to just add good energy. I think it should be something to add value to people's lives in some kind of way, even if it's through your challenges. So maybe you're you're being I think so that's where the authenticity comes in. Mm -hmm. Just being honest about what your parameters are, what you're willing to share, what you're willing to show and really, truly sharing from a place of giving. Right. How am I adding value as opposed to, oh, this is going to get a lot of likes mm -hmm. because that you can sense that. Right. Um, inspiring. Maybe it's inspiring someone younger or someone in general. Yeah, and uh, I think it's important to just be clear about what we want to share. And for me, if I'm not feeling it, I'll just take some days and don't create anything. Mm -hmm. If it feels forced, it doesn't work. And that has shown in the engagement too. I'm like, okay, I was I, I like forced myself to do that, and I pushed that out there because I feel like I had I felt like I had to post today. Mm -hmm. And the engagement it showed up. So I think energy is very real, oh, very yeah. real. And it translates through a picture. It translates through your words in the caption. It translates through, you know, what you're putting out there and what, what you want to share in every single way. So I feel like we want to have that, that real authentic energy and how we're contributing to someone's life. And that's just my perspective. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is what I gravitate to. So I can only speak through my lens. I gravitate to people who are adding value to my life in some way. And then it doesn't feel like I'm losing, losing brain cells <laughs> looking at social media posts, you know, I'm like, this is actually, this is adding to me. I feel inspired. I feel like, Oh, I can do it too. Oh, I can relate, man. I went through that too. Or I just learned something or, you know? Yeah. So I think leading from a place of adding value mm -hmm. will, uh, will be very beneficial when deciding what to create and not pushing it. I agree. I think for a long time, I didn't know how to approach social media. I was also at a different place in my life where it was like, you want people to, I, as an actor, right? You want people to like you, your work, you're this, you're that. Yeah. You want casting to see you as a certain way. And I was always just, I was really scared to show up as myself. Um, and then I started thinking about, well, really why, why do I want to post anything? Right. Because in some way, shape or form, it made me feel good. And it, that comes from an authentic place. And I started thinking if I can add more to social media than I take, I think that's what really, uh, changes if it's like, and sometimes it's small, silly things. Like I'm going to share my cup of coffee, but somebody's like, Oh my God, that I'm going to go sit down and journal now with a cup of coffee. You know, it's like, you yes. can, it's something. It doesn't have to be so deep. Like yes. you don't have to sit and explain it in a whole caption, just the energy of it, the yes. intention behind it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that for me really changed my relationship with social media. Um, and I feel like you have that same perspective of like, what is the intention? And I love that yeah. you said, maybe the intention is just joy because I think sometimes we feel like we have to provide like the best, deepest, whatever. Yeah, so we do. I I'm laugh. Into that. Yeah. Just like 
have fun. You, are you are you feeling yourself today? Are you feeling good? Because I love that. I love to see that. You know that confidence. That you know it's 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 it, it resonates in everything. Yeah. You know the energy is real, and I, I feel you on like not knowing how to show up because for a long time I struggled with. Man, I'm a, I'm multifaceted. I do all these things, and I want to be able to share all these parts of myself. Mm-hmm. But if I'm an actor and they see too much yoga, are they going to take me seriously? Yes. You know. Yeah. But truth of the matter is, this is my practice that keeps me grounded enough to deal with this crazy industry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, to deal with this beautifully crazy industry. It is of getting rejected often, but still keeping myself grounded and being reminded of who I am and why I'm doing it. And it keeps my body right. It keeps my mind. It keeps me centered and aligned. And so it's all, uh, it's all a part of me. And when I got specific and I'm in that, that's a continuous process about how I want to show up. And I do that consistently stand firm in that and who I am, then all the pieces start to come together. So if someone's going to judge me, or not want to work with me because I do too much yoga, then we, we probably don't need to be working together. <laughs> you know, it's okay. Absolutely. So you attract who is meant for you, who you're meant to work with. And yeah, it's, it's really all good. I've seen a lot of people. Um, for some reason, I started seeing a lot of like social media managers. Like I think a lot of people got really in that space and I kept seeing, you have to find a niche. You have to find a niche. You have to find a niche. And I just, I couldn't, resonate with that. And, and I started thinking, nobody is just one thing. Nobody is just a yoga teacher. Nobody is just an actor. Like everybody has so many different parts to them. And I think if you limit yourself to one part, it's a disservice to others. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I do go back and forth with that, the whole niche thing. I don't feel like we should be limited and it has to be just about that, but I will honestly say that I have benefited from what I want to share mostly, Mm. you know? So this is what I want to share for the most part. And all of these other things are sprinkled in. So this is the focus. This is what I'm using. This is what I want to attract this audience that's interested in this or that resonates with this and then sprinkle other things in. So I do think specificity is important. But we don't have to just show one thing. We don't have to just show one side of ourselves, you know? That's kind of boring, right? Like, it's boring and, you know, we want to show up as full humans. And I I think there's room to that. And I think there are people, there's a way to do it. So I think if if one is really serious about stepping their social media game up, it is something to take the time to look at, okay, to study, really. This person or that person is doing it well. What is it about this page? Really, you know, take the time to kind of unravel and investigate why why it's working, why you're interested in it, why do you think they have this audience, and um, and learn from that. I think it goes also back to what you were saying about what's your why behind this? Why am I sharing? Why am I posting? Why do yeah. I want to be on social media? Is it a business? Is it, you know, why? Exactly. Okay. I'd love for you to talk about your wellness company. Yes. Okay. So I started, it's called Breathe Flow B and it started in 2019. I launched specifically as a YouTube channel and I wanted to 
create this resource as a woman of color, as a black woman. I wanted to show up in this space and provide more opportunities and more visibility. It's growing, but I wanted to be just another, you know, person in this field that was adding to the um, opportunities and the resources to be well and to practice yoga and to practice meditation. So I started a YouTube channel and Breathe Low B is a mantra that I have been using for some years now. And it, so breathe, use your breath always. Let your breath be your guiding force. It helps us to navigate our internal life and send signals to our brain and just calm our nervous system down. So always make sure to check in with our life force, our breath. Flow, not only on the mat, we flow, but we wanna really flow and navigate the waves of life as lovingly and, and as gracefully as possible because the waves will come, right? We're gonna go up and down and be finding how to be ourselves and show up fully as ourselves. And so, from there, I started to uh, just create what I call a community of self-lovers. A big part of some of the questions that were heavy on my mind when I just when I started my journey, when I went to India, was like, what it, what is what is self-love? What does that really look like? What does that really feel like? And how do I learn to do it so well that it never leaves me? Because I will read the book and I would feel good and I would feel great as I'm reading the book, but I had no practice. And it's like, I was doing all of these things that were fleeting, but I had to learn that my self-love really showed up in the very sacred spaces of my habits and my, how I showed up to my days. And so I continued to build on the way that I showed up for myself and I'm still doing that. And that is our mission to spread the beauty of magic, the beauty and the magic of yoga and meditation and self-love to as many people as possible. Did you have to pivot at all because of the pandemic with your approach to how you offered things? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, our first event was in February of 2020. So it was, we had no idea what was coming right. in March <laughs> and it was that it was so great. We had sponsors and we were at Lululemon Soho and we I partnered up with two other, two other amazing instructors, Michelle Brugal and Walter Kemp. And we had this amazing program. And then the pandemic happened and we, everything was closed. So yeah, I just had to make sure that I was continue to work to be visible virtually. And, um, that is that that is the pivot in and of itself. The good thing is I was still in the very beginning. So a lot of the work that I was doing, I just had to put it online, you know, and that is what I was going after anyway, because the nature of my industry as an actor, at any point, anything can change. You can be anywhere. You can have to, you know, show up on set for days or weeks or months or at a time, or you can have a ton of downtime. So I wanted that flexibility mm -hmm. to be able to share as much as I can from anywhere and not have to be um, confined to like a physical space or anything. So, but the good thing is that it's allowed for a connection to so many people and um, virtually that we still haven't met in person, but the, in the, the interactions just still feel very authentic and genuine and intimate. 
and um, it's been a blessing. I miss being in the classroom. I miss doing physical adjustments on people, yeah. like in a yoga class. But that time will come again. Yeah. Until then, we just do our very best. I have two more questions for you. Okay. What are you doing when you feel like your most authentic self? Generally, generally, I feel my most authentic. Now it's becoming more in solitude. I love, I love my family and friends and I love spending time with them. And I feel like they bring out the best of me. Like I love hosting and I'm such a love bug. Like I love being around my loved ones, people I don't have to question. So that, that has always been huge and that's still there. But now for a long time, I did not like being alone by myself. I didn't, I didn't like it. I didn't appreciate it. I remember in college, (laughs) I went to the movies by myself for the first time in college. And I remember feeling like I just wanted to put a sign on my back that said, I do have friends. This is a choice. (laughs) Just so you know, I do have friends. I'm choosing to be here alone. (laughs) But now I love it. I love I mean, when we could go to restaurants, going to a nice restaurant, getting a glass of wine, sitting at the table, enjoying my time. I dance by myself all the time. You know, I love my time with myself. I laugh with myself. My dad's like, he has this thing. He's like, of course you like talking to yourself. You like talking to intelligent people. He's so sweet. I'm such a daddy's girl. I I know. Isn't that sweet? He's like, you like talking to intelligent people. Don't you shake it. Don't you shake it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So, um, yeah, I'm finding so much beauty and bliss in my in my solitude and then I have even more to pour into others and it's it's so great I've been missing out but I'm glad I'm here now oh I love that and I relate to that because I remember when I was growing up if my parent before I could drive if my parents were dropping me off to meet a friend or something I would be like, you can't leave until they show up because I will look like a loser with no friends. And they were always like, what are you talking about? And then when I was in college, I went to a restaurant for the first time by myself and I called my Mm -hmm. dad and I was like, you will never guess what I'm doing. And I actually feel okay about it. That's (laughs) hilarious. But I think it, I mean, I get it. It, If we can't enjoy ourselves, how do we expect other people to enjoy us? Exactly. It's such a simple, simple thing. And I, I didn't grasp that, that until I was in my thirties, like early thirties. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was, came a little later for me. Okay. Last question. What does self-love look like for you in 2021? Hmm. For me, self-love looks like honoring the seasons. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And that is the space that I'm working through right now is understanding that things come in different seasons and every season is necessary. And so the more that I could, the sooner that I see this is the season I'm in, this is how I need to show up for myself and honor myself in the season, the better off I'll be. Because that resistance, it doesn't help. The resistance, causes us to take even longer to get to that sweet spot that we're that we need to get to mm-hmm. right to learn what we need to learn and gain what we need to gain and expand how we need to expand so really understanding and recognizing the various seasons when they're here 
and how I need to show up in those seasons. That is what my, how my self-love will look in 2021. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Where can everybody find you? (laughs) (laughs) Um, You can find me on social media. I am Sharon Lynn, two R's, two N's on Instagram, on TikTok and SharonLynn.com. My website also at Breathe Flow B is linked on my Instagram page, Breathe Flow B. Um, we also have an Instagram page and website. But I would say just start with I am Sharon Lynn. Go there <laughs> and you can find me on all the other platforms. Thank you, Erica. This has been a pleasure. Such a joy. I appreciate you so much for reaching out Aww. and having me. 